All right, all right. Let three people know you love them. And if you can only find three people, let them three people know you love them. High five them, fist bump them. Don't hit nobody hard unless it's a hit of love. Awesome. Hey, that's it. I need some, I need some, I need some sense knocked into me. It's a good thing. So, hey guys, really, 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 I'm so excited. Uh, If you're joining us online or you're listening by podcast throughout the week, we're so thankful that you're listening to us. Uh, We talked about this a little earlier. However, we are celebrating our 98th Sunday here at the downtown YMCA. And it has been crazy awesome. Guys, we went through launching just a little over two years ago. Uh, right at two years, excuse me, right at that, that time frame. Uh, and through that, we've gone through hurricanes. We've met at my house multiple times. We, we, we've uh, gone through so many things. And God has been so faithful to allow us to have this facility. We'll talk about how it even came to be in just a few weeks, how we even get to be here today doing exactly what he's called us to do. And I'm so thankful for it because this past spring and summer has kind of been foundational. I say it a lot, but really, it's been a foundational season to prepare us for this season we're walking in. We learned how we could level up in our walk with Jesus. If you remember that, how how we could level up and taking that next step he's called us to take. We talked about the guardrails he set up in our life as we went through the Rumble Strip series. We talked about the good work he created us for, and that's spreading the gospel around the world. No matter what, if we're searching for our purpose, he's called us to operate in that good work. In this last series, we've talked about being exactly who God created us to be. Not what the world says we are, not what anybody else says we are, but who God created us to be. And so I'm thankful that we get to go into this brand new series called You Ask For It. Because throughout the summer, we collected your questions. And so we're going to walk through over these next four weeks the most asked question. So here's the thing. Maybe we don't ask your, we don't answer your question this year. We're going to do this series every year. So you get a mob of people together and you ask that question going into next year. And I promise you, we will answer those questions. But if you get into this series and you're like, man, those are some heavy questions he's answering. Just remember, you asked for it. So uh, that being said, we're going to be walking through this brand new series called You Ask For It. So today, before I tell you what we're walking into, today I started thinking about some words that just don't go together. Now, if you know anything about me, I'll, I'll unpack this even more. But good hospital visit just doesn't go, get, go together, especially for me, because good and hospital don't seem like a word that comes together. Maybe that don't hit you. So how about this? Healthy junk food. Like, can there be healthy junk food? Like, it's either junk food or it's not. The reason it's junk food is because it's unhealthy. So healthy junk food doesn't go together. Maybe, maybe, maybe this, maybe this hits you. Your brand new used car. Your brand new used car. Like, does that go together? Does that two words that just cram together? Like, those words kind of struggle to be together. And so before we answer the question that we're going to dive into today, these are two words that we often struggle with as Christians that go together. Rejoicing trials. Trials that you rejoice in. Those two words just don't seem to hit together, do they? Because if I'm going through a trial, why in the world would I be rejoicing? And so today, that's what we're going to unpack as trials in our life as we answer the question that was the most asked question, by the way. If God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do bad things happen to me? If God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do bad things happen to me? Maybe that's not exactly how you would phrase it. This is how I've phrased this question before. If God really loved me, why did that happen? 
And as the heaviness of the room sinks in, I believe, and it shows me even more that we are all susceptible to being in that season. We are in that season. We've walked through that season. But the thing I want to tell you today is as a Christian, all of us will walk through trials. Even if we're not a Christian, we're going to walk through trials. But the difference is I want to go ahead and throw all my cards on the table. No matter how you ask this question, you may not know why on this side of eternity. And the hardest thing that we walk through is not knowing why. But as a Christian, we don't follow a why. We know whose we are. And we know who we're following. So even if we don't know a why, we know the who. So today as we unpack this and we talk about this, I want us to talk through what we can learn about the trials that we walk through. So if you got your Bible today, we could have gone through almost every uh, faith hero in the Bible. That Every person that's mentioned in the Bible has gone through trials in some way, shape, or form. So we could have gone through a myriad of them. So if you ever want to know any of them, come hang out with us on Thursdays. Come hang out with us on Sundays. We'll walk through some people that have gone through some trials. As a matter of fact, I, pretty much every Sunday we talk about somebody who's gone through a trial in the Bible. But today we're going to be in a little different place. We're going to be hanging out in First Peter. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and get to 1 Peter, but we know Peter can teach us a lot about trials. So also, we do things, uh, we follow along with a Bible app, so if you want to do that, you can follow along with us. There's a video showing you how to do that. You'll download the Bible app from your favorite app store. Make sure that you go to the More tab. Once you click on that, click on Events, and then you'll see the Vine TV Worship Experience, and in that, you'll see all the scripture that we're walking through, also a place where you can take notes and once again, maybe you're watching online, uh, a place that you can connect with us throughout the week. We also have free Bibles for you, free for the asking. You let us know. We have them in the garden. We'd love to give it to you. But if you're in the house today or you're watching online, we have a great Vine Creative team. They make it look all pretty, don't they? They, they put it up there. You'll see them on the screen around me and, and underneath me if you're watching online. So if you got your Bible today, let's get to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to unpack what we can learn about trials as we walk through them, okay? So buckle up with me, excuse me, buckle up with me. As we go, we're going to be hanging into these two verses most of the day today. We're going to read all of them, then we're going to digest them a little bit uh, as we go through. So 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7 says this, in all this. Now, we're going to unpack all of that in all this in just a moment, but what Peter's talking about is he starts off, 1 Peter 1, talking about the in all this, and literally, in a nutshell, in all this, he's talking about God's power to save us, God's power to secure us, and God's power to send us. So in all of this, so Peter's saying in all of this power that God has to save us, secure us, and send us, this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to, may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in what? Praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So today we're going to be kind of breaking these verses down just a little bit. We're going to be breaking these verses down just a little bit as we go. So if you're taking notes today, hang in here with me. We're going to walk through what this looks like step by step as we walk through what we can learn through trials. So number one, no surprise, number one.
Sorry about that. Set change there. Uh, and scene. Just kidding. So, number one, as we walk through trials a little bit with issues today, number one, trials cause grief. If you're taking notes, trials cause grief. So, as you see, we're talking here through 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1, chapters, uh, verses 6 and 7. Look at, the, at verse 6, what it says right here. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief. Suffer grief. So trials cause grief in our life. So when we look at grief, when we think about grief, grief is something that's heavy. Grief is something that's in our life. It's a burden that we carry. When Peter wrote this, the Greek word for grief is this, lupeo, L-U-P-E-O, lupeo. So say that with me. One, two, three, lupeo. Lupeo. So when we hear lupeo, what it's actually translating to is the, the pain of childbirth. The most extraordinary pain anyone will walk through on this side of eternity and in the earth is the pain of childbirth. Right? I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't, I have not had a child. I don't, God did, my plumbing does not allow me to have children. However, however, I know that that is some crazy pain. I've had kidney stones and people equate to it, and I'm sorry. It's not the same as a human coming out of you. So I will tell you that pain is overwhelming. Grief in our life can be overwhelming, can be overwhelming. And so many times what I will tell you as, as a Christian we're told that we can't grieve, right? You see, grief is a normal and healthy human emotional response. It's a normal thing. So many times our grief is, how we grieve is short-lived as a Christian, isn't it? We're told we have to put our happy face on because we follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, that means we don't experience difficulty, we don't experience trial. And it's in direct contradiction to God's word. And the thing that I will tell you is here in America, if you know anything about us, we're a pull ourselves up by the bootstrap people. And if you know anything about me, I'm a work hard person. I love working hard. I love putting my head to the grindstone. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. But what it leaves me susceptible to is anxiety, depression, and grief if I don't deal with it the right way. And that grief can lead to bitterness, anger, and resentment. But in America, we don't look at grief the way the rest of the world looks at. You see, when Peter was talking about grief in Jewish culture, you were allowed to grieve for 30 days at the loss of something. People would go and they would put on sackcloth and they would wail and cry in grief. Egyptian culture, the culture that they came out of, that Israel came out of, as they were walking out of slavery, Egyptian culture that they walked out of allowed 70 days to grieve. Yet in America, if you go to a funeral, it's somber. It's reverent, and the people that are there usually grieve for a few days and they go back to the grindstone exactly what they were doing right before someone passed away. And so I will tell you, in your life, trials will cause grief, and the thing that can get crazy about this is if we don't express our grief the right way and we aren't honest and give full vent to our emotions when we're walking through trials and we walk through grief, it will leave us in a worse place than before the trial started. I'm living proof of this. My grandfather passed away when I was in sixth grade, the only father figure I knew, and I didn't know how to process grief. 
Okay, I, I, I went through, I thought I had to be the man in my family. I thought I had to have it all together. And so that's exactly what I did as a sixth grade boy, not quite a man. I didn't know how to process grief. And I held it together for about five months. And then I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Everyone around me saw something was wrong, and I just kept putting my head to the grindstone and said, I'll be able to work through it. It's going to be okay. And I never, at that moment in time, I had never learned how to process my grief. But thankfully, I had people in my life that called that out in me. And as they called that out in me, they got me into a counseling with people who were going through the same thing. And so I learned how to process my grief. Now, the thing was, even though I learned how to process my grief, and even though I walked through processing my grief, it wasn't that I had it all together. It wasn't that it's been easy since then. The difference is I can recognize the stage of grief I'm in. So the peace of Jesus being with me has been a lot quicker. It's been a lot faster no matter what trial I walk through, no matter what grief it causes, because now I understand that it's just a stage of grief. So the number one thing I want to tell you today is trials cause grief. Trials cause grief. Number two, if you're taking notes today, trials are diverse. Trials are diverse. Trials are diverse. If you've got your Bible open there, look at the end of verse six. We're going to leave that up there, the point up there, so you know that trials are diverse. In the end of verse six, it says, first it says that we'll suffer grief, and then Peter says, in all kinds of trials. Now, if you've got a King James Version here, it says manifold tribulations, which is really, that, that, that's something that just, whoo, just hits you real hard, right? Like a manifold. I know about an engine manifold. That's about it. But you know, like, you know, a manifold, manifold means many. But the Greek word here that is, is painted that Peter is writing is this. So if you're taking notes right now, write this down. P-O-I-K-I-L-O-S. P-O-I-K-I-L-O-S. S. That word is plaquilos. Plaquilos. Sounds Spanish almost, doesn't it? It's great. I love that. So say that with me. One, two, three. Plaquilos. Plaquilos. Do you know what plaquilos means? Most folks say many. You know what it actually means? Different colors. Different colors. So wait, wait, wait. So the trials that you, that you can go through actually has a color. Can you believe that? Every trial you have has a color. So as I was getting ready for this, I started thinking about all the colors we can have. So does anybody ever painted a house? I know some people that do that for some living, right? <laughs> Praise God for them. You ever painted a house? You ever done anything? Whenever you went there, you had these little colors. I call them swatches, but they're not. They had the colors. Or, or maybe you did stuff on a computer program. You know, they have the wheel, and you, you, you go there. We call that a Pantone color palette where you have all these colors you can choose from and go back and forth, right? I could be wrong. Jesus wired me to be something, but not creative is not it. So I'm thankful for our Vine creative team, our Vine production, our Vine worship team, because there are some creative people here. But upon research, <laughs> my research, so it could be wrong, so hang out there with me. The Pantone color palette has 1,867 colors. So what Peter is trying to tell you right here, and the Greek word here, is you could go through 1,867 different trials. Isn't that something? For every color on that wheel is a trial that you get to walk through. And now I know this is heavy. I know this is heavy, and we're walking through it. There's hope through this, so hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. You can walk through a different color trial. 
And in the business I'm in, I talk with people who are walking through trials daily. Sometimes I feel like, Lord, you done gave me a hundred colors of trials that I've walked through today. Like, I don't know what else to do. I don't know how many more pallets you're going to have me walk through. I don't know if you're Sherman Williams or Sherwin Williams, Sherman, Sherwin Williams, whatever that looks like, whatever's going on. I feel like I go through 1,867 trials at once, right? But as I read 1 Peter 1, verse 6, I'm just reminded that we are going to walk through various trials. But didn't Jesus say we would do that for his name's sake? But he said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, in this world, we'll have tribulation. In this world, we'll have trial. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome. I've overcome the world. So today, as you're going through the poikilos, as you're going through the trials, just know that trials can cause you grief, and trials are diverse. Number three, if you're taking notes today, might be a quick one today. It's all right. God's faithful. Number three, trials reveal faith. Trials reveal faith. Trials reveal faith. So trials cause grief. Trials are many kinds. So you can have different kinds of grief. For every color trial of grief, you're going to have a, a you're going to have different trials for every color. Right, right, right. So trials reveal faith. Look at verse seven. These have come, speaking of the trials, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of your faith. So the trials that you're walking through will reveal the faith that you have. I've heard it said this way, and this is how I grew up, and, and, and I believe it to be true. A faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. If your faith has never been tested, how could you ever trust it? It's kind of like having faith that the bungee cord is going to hold you on that thrill ride and you jump off or, or you're on the bridge and that bungee cord is going to hold you. You're going to hope that it, you've got faith that it's going to hold you, right? Or you're riding that roller coaster. You've got faith that that seatbelt is going to hold you in. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on it, right? So your trials will reveal faith in your life. Your trials will reveal inside of you something that needs to be tested. So the trial inside of you will help reveal faith inside of you. And here's what that does. Inside of your faith, your trials will correct you. So trials will reveal faith, but a little sub point there is trials correct us in faith. When I look back over my life and I look at all the trials that I've walked through, how they've revealed my faith is, believe it or not, a trial you're walking through can be God's course correction for your life. For me, I would see, so I'm a movement person. I love movement. I love walking and movement. Like, I love the fast lane, right? I can't always drive in it. I wish I could always have a car that was in the fast lane, but I like the fast lane. How many folks like the fast lane here? Right now, remember, remember, like growing up. So remember, Jesus says, so all those of us who like the fast lane, uh, I'm going to bring you down for a minute. So hang in here with me. I'm not trying to come down on you. Uh, Jesus, when he talks about this, says the broad road of destruction that leads to hell moves pretty fast. It's the fast lane. But he is the narrow gate we get to walk through. Right. He's the narrow gate that we get to walk through. He's the narrow path that leads to life. So many times in my life. I've been on the narrow path, and I'm a movement person. And Jesus says, wait right here so I can show you the next step you need to take. And I will look, and I will see everybody just rolling in the fast lane. I hear the eagle song, life in the fast lane, right? Like I just see it, and everybody's just rolling, just rolling in the fast lane. And I'll try to get over into that fast lane, outside of that narrow lane, and a trial will come up and correct my course to get back the way I need to go. So it'll reveal my faith. Maybe, maybe you look at it this way. When I see that, that trials reveal faith in our life, is this. 
trials also, as they correct us in faith, they strengthen us in faith. What I mean by that is this. How many of us reach out for help in trials? No one. Great, I'm leading well. I know most of the time when I'm hurting, I will reach out for help more than when I'm not hurting. Even though I'm wired to be a hard worker. So inside of what I want to tell you and what I want to teach you and what I want you to know inside of that is trials that reveal our faith strengthen us. That's why we believe at the vine, life change happens best inside of Christian community. Hey, maybe you can't make Thursday night greenhouse, but you can make Monday morning waffle house. You know what I'm saying? You can get together with people. That's why we believe that inside of Christian community, you can be strengthened because there's just something about people suffering through the same thing that helps you and trials will get you there. For me, Grief counseling got me there. I had to go through something with people who were stuck in the same stage I was in so I could work my way out of that stage, so I could understand that process. And it took a trial to do that. The trial wasn't my grandfather's passing away. The trial was being on the verge of nervous breakdown as a sixth grader. I mean, how crazy is that? You haven't even, you haven't even learned who you really are yet, and I'm on the verge of a nerve. Nothing to worry about as a sixth grader, right? You're just trying to learn how to live life, and yet here I was on the verge of nervous breakdown. I had to go through that grief counseling with a group of people who understood what I was struggling with. So your trials can prove the genuineness of your faith. 1 Peter 3 says it this way, For it is better if it is God's will to suffer doing good than for doing evil. It is better for God's will to suffer doing good than to do evil. So, it's been no coincidence when I look at it this way. What if your suffering was to do God's will? What if your suffering was to work according to God's will? It's better for us to suffer doing God's will than to keep doing evil to go into the broad way to destruction. But you see what a trial will do is it will not only reveal your faith, but inside of that, it'll show your pain point. What I mean by that is it's no coincidence. I've shared with you the recent surgery I've had, but let me tell you why good hospital visit doesn't really resonate well with Tyler West, okay? So growing up, every time I went to the hospital, either somebody died or somebody was having surgery and it was always a bad thing. Like I always saw it as a bad thing. I know that sounds terrible, but it goes all the way back to me being a four-year-old, okay? So when I was four years old, I had my tonsils out. Has anybody had that surgery? Your tonsils taken out, right? So I was four years old. I had ear infections all the time, had all kind of crazy stuff. And I remember I had terrible separation anxiety. So remember, I didn't have my grandfather. I walked around with my security blanket like Linus. That's how I roll. If you want to see a picture of Tyler as a kid, it was Tyler with his security blanket. Uh, I had my security blanket, and they took my blanket away, and they took my family away, and they rolled me back. They rolled me back to surgery. I remember what the nurse said right before that. So this is a young child, so hang in here with me, and I'll show you where it's revealing in child in, uh, trials. I remember the nurse saying, if you aren't good, you can't have a popsicle. If you don't stop crying, excuse me, if you don't stop crying, you can't have a popsicle and have fun with your family later today. Five, four, three, and I don't remember anything else after that. What I do remember is right after that, about two weeks later, I believe it was two weeks later, might have been around three Timing's a little fuzzy. Could have been a month, whatever. Uh, right after that, I do remember my brother and sister's birthday party. Their birthdays are close together. And I remember that my throat was so swollen and I was so scared to go to the hospital because I wasn't going to get to have fun with my family. 
And there is a picture of me somewhere in this world. I'll find it at some point. I'm sure my mother has it. And you just see this droopy Eeyore face of this little four-year-old boy. And what had happened is I had pus pockets in my tonsils because I had infection. And I was so afraid to tell anyone because I was going to go back to the hospital and that nurse was going to take me away from my family. And I wasn't going to get to have no popsicles and I wasn't going to get to have fun. And, and it was crazy. So I'm telling you all this about your trials, not to be like, what a terrible nurse. No, I cried a lot as a kid, okay? I probably was really loud. And the way I screamed was separation anxiety. The hospital probably went on lockdown. Let's be real. What I'm trying to tell you, though, is if I wouldn't have got those tonsils out, I could have never learned how to swim. I could have never went to my friend's birthday party because tubes weren't really an option. I had to figure that out. And if I had tubes, I couldn't go swimming. I couldn't enjoy time. I couldn't have enjoyed the next year that my sister and brother had a birthday party. I couldn't have gone through that. I, I've talked to you recently about gallbladder surgery and the pain that happened. There. The thing is, a surgeon removing something from our life may be painful for a moment, which is what a trial is, but it will let us live a more beneficial long-term life than not. So when we look at trials, what if God's letting you go through this trial to reveal the thing that's hurting you? See, that's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Because we don't see God that way, do we? We don't want to look at him that way. And the thing is for all of us, the thing is for all of us, that we have to remember that God's with us through that trial. We think that God is going to leave us in that trial. We think that we are walking through it all alone, and my God, how could you let this pain happen to me? And he's saying, if you keep on this road, son, I'm going to have to cut something off, or I'm going to have to do something worse. So the trials in your life reveal your faith because it can actually show you your pain point as it reveals your faith. And last but not least, we still got a long way to go, so hang in here with me. Last but not least that we can learn about trials is this. Trials refine us. So trials cause grief. Trials are various. Trials will reveal our faith. And Peter's unpacking all this. I'm not telling you anything Peter's not telling us. But trials refine us. And it says this at the end of verse 7. Of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Has anyone ever seen a goldsmith look for purity? I haven't either. I had to watch it. Uh, <laughs> I had to watch it online. So a goldsmith. So if you've ever looked in ancient times, or you ever look what happened as a goldsmith tested for purity for for things that had purity, is what would happen is they would heat it up. They would throw that gold in the fire, and it would boil, and all the impurities would come up. Okay. And they would remove it from the fire, scrape the impurities off, and slam it back in the fire. And they would just keep doing that, throwing it in the fire constantly. Just continually throwing it in the fire until the impurities had boiled out. It was the only way to know it was pure. Only way to know it was pure. And you see, they kept doing that until something happened. They knew the gold was in its purest form when they pulled it out. And the goldsmith saw his reflection in it. You see, that's what God's doing for us with every trial. He's putting us in there 
all the things that hold us back, all the impurities that are in us, all the things that are keeping us held down, that are sins of the flesh, that are things of this world that are temporary, he's just boiling them out of us. And he keeps throwing again in the fire, and he keeps throwing us in the fire until we are looking more and more like him in the image he's created us to be. He keeps refining us. He keeps molding us. He keeps shaping us. And every time he pulls us out, the more we look, by, the more we look like him, the more we look like his son. So much so, we can get stuck and be mad that he's putting us in the fire, but I want to tell you this. God's not out to burn you. When we look at this in the fire, we think of it like in the fire, like, you know, that charcoal setting on your toaster? as I like to say, like it's so hard, it's a brick, you build a house with it. There's only one person I know that eats toast that way, and that's my grandmother. Uh, she loves her toast that way, and I have no clue why, because I, I don't know how you taste anything. It makes the house stink. It's worse than popcorn. It makes your house stink for a week. And so we think God is putting us in the fire to burn us, but look what Isaiah 43 reminds us about what God does with us as we go through the fire. It says this, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Remember, we spent a lot of time talking about this guy last, last go-round in Alter Ego. We talked about this guy, Jacob. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. You're being refined, guys. The flames will not set you ablaze, excuse me, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see, we treat God like an ambulance driver going from crisis to crisis, don't we? We think that that's all he's good for, but he's, he, he's so much more than that. He's the Holy One. He's the Savior. He's the one who's, who's already made us in his image, and he's trying to get us back to a place where we reflect him to the entire world. And trials do that because we keep getting refined step by step through the through the through the fire, excuse me. Step by step, he pulls us out. Those impurities boil over. Then he sticks us back in the fire, and we're just like, man, this is hot, Lord. This is hot. And I'm going to pull the old school pastor reference out. Hell's a lot hotter than that fire for a moment as he's bowling those impurities out. But he's trying to make a space for us to be more like him. And it's only through trials sometimes that that can happen. Because see, what I love about Peter, Peter's got some good things to share with us. What I love about Peter walking through this is Peter is a guy who knows about some trials. Now you see, he thought he was facing a trial. You see, Peter was the one, he was out there casting his net, getting his fish on. Like he was one of those guys, like, you know, he, he, was, he was outdoors, you know, Bass Pro Shops kind of guy. He had it held down, was doing great in his fisherman business. Then this guy comes along and says, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. So he leaves everything to follow him. And all of a sudden there's a fire in a courtyard and Peter gathers around that fire. He's, you know, he's just trying to keep warm. And he sees that savior, that guy who he knew was the Messiah. And, and he was scared of this little slave girl who was there and said, hey, I know you. You were with him, right? And he's like, no, I don't know that dude. And then she asks him again and he gets upset and he, he cusses three times. He says, I don't know that guy. I don't know who Jesus is. That's not anybody I want to see reflected in me around a little fire. Remember that little fire? And yet all of a sudden, Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, he raises again. And Peter is in this shameful, remorseful, he thought his trial was found in that courtyard by the fire. And then when Jesus is crucified, he probably thinks, man, I just wasted my whole, my whole three years. I can't get him back. I met a guy 
who was a prophet by all means, and he told me he was a Messiah, and he told me everything that I didn't know, and he revealed to me the scriptures from the prophets all the way through. But man, this is crazy. Now I've got to go back to fishing. Peter goes back to fishing. Him and his boys go back fishing. And all of a sudden, they see this man on the seashore that says, hey, have you caught any fish today? Throw your net on the other side. Now, these are, these are like bill dance. Like, these are guys, they know where to fish. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're pro anglers. They know where to throw that fishing wire on the log. Like, they know, they know where to find the bat. They go noodling. You know what I mean? Like, they, these are men, manly men. They know where to find fish. They throw that net over. They, get a, they, catch, they catch this giant haul. And yet, all of a sudden, there's a fire on the seashore. And Peter finds out it's Jesus, and he runs to him. See, Peter thought his trial was in that courtyard around the fire, but he found his restoration inside the fire on the beach shore. And Peter never stopped. Peter went through being thrown in jail. He went through being persecuted everywhere he went. He went through religious people wanting to stone him, wanting to tell him that he wasn't good enough, wanting to tell him there was no way that he could ever know who the Messiah is. So much so, he was hung upside, he was crucified upside down. Let's be real crucified upside down would you say he went through some trials yet he knew who it was for not not having to know the why he knew that he was following Jesus and in following Jesus that Jesus was being more revealed in him that every time he went through the fire every time he went through the trial there was something more that was helping him first Peter 4 10 says this way what we can do because that word poikilo shows up again when he talks about it. Verse 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. KJV says the manifold forms. In the poikilos forms. You see, what I want to tell you today is if you look right before that in that, that, that verse, it tells you we're faithful stewards of what? God's grace. For every color of trial you walk through in your life in that Pantone color palette and that 1867 different colors that you can walk through, different trials you can walk through, God's got a different color that matches it that's called his grace. And so for every trial you walk through, God's saying, hey, I'm going to match up my grace to it. And so when you walk through trials, he's going to match up the color of his grace to it. And so many times in our life, what we get stuck in is we get stuck in the color of our trial that we miss out on the color of God's grace. And God said, here's how my grace is going to be revealed in you. Here's how you're going to steward it, serving others. Even in your trials, even when you feel like you can't go on, you serve others in the gifts that's been given you. And even though I'm refining you by the fire, you're going to walk in my grace because you're not colored by the color of the trial. You're colored by my grace. Yet so many times in our life, we think that our life is defined by the color of our trial, don't we? We miss out on the canvas that he has. And we think that the canvas and the color of the trial, that's just one little dot. Because that's all that Pantone color palette is, just one little dot. And God's saying, no, this is the color of my grace. And he's covering our entire life with his grace. And so many times I want you to know that even though you face various trials, God's grace is all over. Because in his grace, he reveals our faith. 
in his grace, we're going to walk through grief. And in his grace, we will be refined. And he will make us more like him. So today, do bad things happen to good people? Absolutely. But the one thing I do know is God is still God. And God, he is still good. He is still good. Because when we look at God as being a good God and knowing that he is who he says he is, all of a sudden the temporary things of this world, the trials that won't end till we get on the other side of eternity, by the way, all of these trials, they're just temporary. They're just temporary. Doesn't mean that they're not heavy and grief-filled. Oh, they're full of grief at times. But that's why he created a body to surround you, to walk with you step by step inside of a local church to help you with that. And so many times in our life, if we would just look at God through the perspective of his goodness and our circumstances, all of a sudden we see that we're focused on the eternal because we know who we're following, not just worried about why we're going through something. So today, if you think that God's not good, I just want to have a little survey as we wrap up. You know, many of us woke up in our own bed this morning. Maybe not our own bed. Maybe it was a bed at a friend's house, but we have a bed. Maybe we share it with family. Maybe we share it with spouse. We share it with the kids. But we woke up in our own bed this morning. We put our two feet on the ground. We walked to our closet. We got to pick out what clothes to wear. Not only that, we got to pick out what shoes to wear. Some of us better than others. Just saying, you know. <laughs> uh, tough crowd. We got to pick what shoes to wear. Not only did we pick what shoes to wear, we walked out to our car. It had gas in it. We cranked it up. We came to church. A lot of us got here. Some of us got here at 930. Some of us got here at 10. Whatever time you got to church, maybe you enjoyed breakfast before you came to church. But after you get done with church today, you're going to walk out to the parking lot from this place where we get to meet God at in a gym in downtown Spartanburg. How crazy awesome is that? You're going to walk out of this place. You're going to get in your car. You're going to crank it up, and you're going to figure out where you want to go for lunch. And you're going to have choices of where you go for lunch. And if you're not going to eat somewhere for lunch, you're going to go home, and you're going to open a pantry full of food that you're going to ask, man, what am I going to have? for lunch today what do I got a hankering for and then you're going to go and go about the rest of your day watching football movies whatever it is that you do and I want to tell you there's no time in human history that an entire nation of people have been able to do that and yet we question God's goodness we get to come into his house and not worry about being shut down not worry about being thrown in jail because we said the name of Jesus so whatever you're going through today, I would say look at God's goodness and see where he's placed us in this time in history. And understand that even though we have these little blips on the radar, these trials that have little pin dot colors, that God is trying to cover us. The canvas of our life, there's no better way to say it, the canvas of our life is the color of God's grace. And he shows that through his love. And so today, I just want to ask you this. You see, the difference between Christians and non-Christians is when the trial comes, they know where to turn. Because as, as, as Isaiah 43 said, only Christ alone is our Savior. Only in him can we find saving grace. Nothing in this world. So many times in our world where we go and we, we try to find fulfillment, it can be in the person, it can be in the drug, it can be in the TV show, it can be in the career, it can be in the kids, it can be in the car, it can be in the house, it can be in the bank account. We go and find it and try to find temporary peace. But fulfilling peace 
Peace that brings rejoicing even when the trials come. Peace that says when you find out that the cancer's back and you can raise your hands and say, I don't know what you're doing, God, but you're up to something good. Peace, peace that is eternal. Peace that is eternal. Something that's not for this earth, but is in heaven for eternity. That can only come by giving your life to Jesus. You can't earn that. You can't pray enough, memorize enough scripture, serve enough at the soup kitchen, climb up this religious ladder enough. None of that matters in the view of eternity. Only Jesus. And he died to give each and every one of us that gift because all of us were born into sin. None of us were born having it together. We were all born broken. That's the one thing we have in common. The only difference is this, some of us have found the thing that made us whole and others of us are still searching for it. So today, if you're still searching for the thing that makes you whole, I want to tell you right now, if the Spirit's moving, it's Jesus. You're looking for Jesus because 1 Peter 1 verse 3 and 4 talks about the thing that you are searching for and it says this, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. We know who we're following, regardless of why it happened and what happened to us. So today, as we come together, this is why we do what we do. We want to help you if you're trying to find that thing to give you peace. If you are looking, I want to tell you the answer is Jesus. Because what he gives you will never spoil. It will never fade. It will never fall off. It will never go away. Only he can give you that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we pray together as a family for the faith of those who are coming to Jesus for the first time today. Can you say in your life that you've ever given your life to Jesus? Can you say in your life that you trust Jesus? Can you say in your life that you have found the one thing that can satisfy? Are you still searching? Because this is your moment to say yes to Jesus. We're about to say a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is in this prayer that will save you. So I'm going to ask everyone to repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm going to ask if you can say for the first time today that you have given your life to Jesus. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. If you're watching online, you're going to see a raised hand that you can respond to or Leave us a comment or reach out to us. I'll tell you how to do that in just a moment. One, two, three. If that is you, and for the first time, you can say that you've given your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to respond. If you're watching online or you're listening by podcast throughout the week, we have a team of people who wanna celebrate you making that decision, but also wanna walk with you in this season as you learn how to follow Jesus step by step. Please reach out to us at 864 864- 580-6698 or you can email us at prayer at the vine.tv.
And so everyone can open their eyes and we're gonna get ready for worship. And I just wanna say whatever you brought in today, because we all brought some stuff in here today. I know we did. I know we brought some things in today. I know we got some trials we're walking through today, some known and some nobody knows about. So I'm gonna ask you today, if you are walking through a trial, we're about to sing a song in just a moment. It's one of my favorite songs. I'm just gonna ask you to lay it down. If you need to pray with somebody today, don't let today go by without praying with someone. Don't let today go by without them knowing about the trial you're walking through because life change happens best in Christian community. Because if there's one thing that I could ever wish for anyone on this entire earth to say is no matter what is happening in their life, I would love for them to say it as well with my soul. So as we sing the words to this song, I just wanna say if it is not well with your soul, Let's figure that out today. Let's pray through that today. Let's walk through that today. But for everyone else, I just want us to be reminded of God's goodness and that no matter what this world throws at us, it is well with my soul because I know where my soul is gonna be and I know where I'm spending eternity. So let's worship like it is. So if you'll please stand and sing.
All right, all right. You know how we do it every week here at the end. I, I really, we're going to lock it up and pray as a family together. But I really, really want you to know one thing that I would love for all of us to do is be able to sing it as well with my soul. And guys, uh, I will tell you through all the trials, through all the things that have happened in life, that one thing has remained constant, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus with me. No matter what's thrown my way. And so even in the midst of the craziest times, as I've learned and I've grown in my walk, whenever it feels like this world's throwing all kind of craziness, chaos, and noise at me, I just throw my hands up and say it is well. It is well. I don't know what you're trying to do, Lord, but it is well with my soul because I know where I'm going. I know what he's called me to do. And I know that through it, he is going to show the world himself like that. He's going to reveal himself like that gold like never before. So I'm gonna pray over each and every one of us and I'm gonna pray for us this week. So let's pray together as a family. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you that you allow us to be here. Thank you that you allow us to even be refined, that you allow us to even be made more like you, that you allow us to see our faith being revealed, that you allow us to grow in you, that you allow us to walk through things that seem like fiery trials, Jesus, but you promise, God, you promise, we are not going through the fire to be burned. We are going through the fire to be refined. So Jesus, when we feel the heat is kicking up, we know that it ain't Satan that's gonna win, that it's you that's already overcome it because you said it is finished. So Jesus, whatever trial we're walking through, whatever thing we've got going on in our life, Jesus, I pray that we would lay it at your feet. I pray that we would put our arms around someone and say, walk with me through this. And Jesus, I pray that we would see that you were being revealed through it. So Jesus, as we go about this week and as the trials come, I pray pray that we would see you and that we would rejoice in them and know that you are with us and that you will never leave us or forsake us. So Jesus, I just pray for each and every person that's within the sound of my voice and the trial that they're going through, Jesus. I pray that they would see you. I pray that they would rejoice. We love you, Jesus. We can't believe you let us do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Be sure to join us next week as we continue. You ask for it and we answer the question, how do you hear God's voice and know his will?